I would say that one of the reasons to go for a plant-based diet is because in modern life, our foods are made conveniently from processed sources, from conventional farming, um, where soils are depleted, where minerals are depleted, and then we're eating foods that are kind of very far removed from the original plant. And so that can wreak havoc on our intestinal system and on our immune system and our whole entire body. And so that's one big benefit of going plant-based is, or eating more plants is because we're getting nutrition from the source. Welcome to Ritual by Sageborn, where we discuss daily practices for naturally vibrant skin and overall well-being. My guest today is Karen Mitchell. Karen is an integrative nutrition health coach, a national board certified health and wellness coach, and is currently enrolled in functional nutrition coach training. She has extensive understanding of the human body, mindfulness practices, and healthy eating philosophies. She is an avid gardener and is a certified mountain biking coach. Today, we dive into a plant-based lifestyle and ways to incorporate more plants into your meals. Here's my conversation with Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, Stephanie. How are you today? Good. How are you? It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see you too and, and, and be here with you. This is wonderful. I know. Thank you so much for your time. And I know you're so busy and you just got back from mountain biking in, in Utah, which sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, it's one of my loves for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to talk with you today about nutrition and plants and food, one of my favorite topics. Um, eat real food is definitely one of our um, sageborn rituals that we talk a lot about through our blog and on the podcast. And it's very important. Um, we feel as far as you know, living a full, vibrant life and making us feel great as we go through life. So I'm excited to talk to you about plants because I think. Um, you know, we're hearing this plant-based diet more and more and more, you know, now. And so we'll talk about that, but I want to learn a little bit more about you and your background and what kind of guided you into health and nutrition. Oh, the, you know, I think as in so many things in life, it kind of like was a gradual process. You know, I would yeah. say that I honestly don't have too many memories of food and health from growing up, except for maybe we would have burgers and, um, you know, whole milk and a cup. I remember the cups we were eating and I spent a lot of time boating. I'm from the East coast and we, we would have boat noodles. Like those are my only memories of foods, but you know, as so many people, you know, I got to college and I was worried about my body or I had body image issues. And then I was a college athlete and I never really had any good guidance around, how to take care of my body, including what to eat. And I, you know, I gained, I gained weight and then I lost it. But more importantly, like I wanted more power when I was doing athletic pursuits, I didn't have it. And then fast forward, I moved to Montana and I started to realize that I was just not working so well with dairy. And I started mm -hmm. to get skin rashes and things like that. And I didn't really notice, I didn't know that that was from dairy. So I abstained from it, but I didn't do much more. Um, and then I had half of my thyroid removed and it was a shock. I was like, what are you kidding me? Oh, um, I had a multi-nodule goiter. And um, at that time, you know, I don't know if it was related to growing up on Long Island and, or if it was just drinking tons of soy milk or what, whatever it was anyway, it was like one thing after another that when my son was born, he um, had lots of gastrointestinal problems and realized he was sensitive and allergic to almost every food out there. Oh, wow. um, so through the process of like working through my own health things, still wanting to be an, an athlete and then having my son and then working with my husband's food and sense, you know, sensitivities and allergies, like now here I am and I'm a yeah. board certified health and wellness coach and a certified um, integrative health coach and working towards functional nutrition, health counseling. So wow. it's, it's a very big 
I guess it's my passion and I love working with people. And I guess one of my values is for the world to be a kinder, more whole place. And I feel that that starts within ourselves. And if we have poor health, we can't be kind and loving Mm -hmm. and caring. And we can't think about recycling and all these other things that are important for the earth if we're not well inside ourselves. So that's kind of my biggest value is helping others to be well. Yeah. So who helped you through your journey? Were you working with naturopathic doctors, acupuncturists who kind of helped you determine what was going on inside of you? Yeah. So, well, one of the biggest supporters has been Dr. Holcomb Johnston Mm -hmm. and so natural medicine who, you know, I now practice with. Yes. Um, she was really helpful. I had gone through a number of natural path, natural paths before her. Um, and I had one doc, not no one friend actually, when my son was born, when I started figuring out some things and honestly, I didn't have any doctors that were supportive of me helping him at that time. And I mm-hmm. happened to be at a bike race with my husband and I was taking care of our then one and a half year old. And he had had all of these symptoms that I get, I kept getting dismissed. And I was like, well, no, this is real. I, and I have to pick up a magazine. I remember it so clearly it was cookie magazine and it was done by the actress that had had a son with autism. And she was really talking about a gluten-free casein diet for kids on the autism spectrum. Yes. And I think that was my big awakening. I mean, that was already 13, 14 years ago. So gluten-free wasn't really a mainstream thing at that time. Right. And um, well, it wasn't, we were only just talking about it. And mm-hmm. when I was out um, at this bike race and reading this magazine, I was like, oh my gosh, Eureka. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I, took my son off gluten and I, you know, the internet wasn't really that big then. So I just read a lot of books. I went to the library. I just learned. And within the first week of him being gluten-free, I was, he was a totally different kid. And then the second week I dropped casein, which is one of the proteins in dairy and then improved even farther. And at that point, I I was lucky enough to find a a neighbor in my neighborhood, a friend who had been on a gluten-free diet with her kids and family. And she kind of shepherded me along for that first little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of like the, the rest was history. I just kept getting more and more involved and learning more and more. And it kind of just snowballed from there really. Right. And you saw, gosh, this has worked for my family. I would love to help others because you went through the struggle. You were not getting any answers. You weren't getting the help you needed you felt like, okay, I want to learn more. And is that what made you decide then to go to the school in New York? Well, interesting. So I don't think I even thought about helping people for many years after that. I just was like, oh, this is cool. And then people would call and ask me questions and I'd offer advice or whatever. Yeah. And I'm a lifelong learner. You know, I have like that, that desire to learn as much as I can and then implement it. But when I got diagnosed with SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, that was when I was like, hold the phone. I now need to change my career and work with people. And so now I actually, as an integrative nutrition health coach, I specialize in SIBO and gut health because okay. I, that's how I, I was like, I was so sick at that point and it was, it was devastating. And I, I realized yeah. I needed, I needed support, but I had trouble finding it other than with Dr. Holcomb. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just, once I started feeling better, I knew instantly. And I actually applied to graduate programs in holistic nutrition and um, integrative nutrition. And I was doing all my prerequisites and I got bogged down in biochemistry, which chemistry was never my good subject. Yeah. And so then I was like, wait a minute, there's more than one way to skin this cat. And so then I decided to decline out of that program. And then that's when I decided to do the certification route through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And then that was just the beginning. Wow. Okay. So now SIBO, tell me a little bit more about that. What causes this? Oh, that's a big question. So (laughs) SIBO, so there's actually two names for it now because it's caused by two different, either a bacteria or an archaea. So it's either SIBO or EMO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or intestinal methanogen overgrowth. But the idea is, is that at some point, 
maybe the motility of the intestinal system slows down or the body's inner defenses against pathogens or bacteria, there's like a breakdown in its ability to clear out. The small intestine is supposed to be mostly, um, um, oh, what's the word? Not very much bacteria. So most of our bacteria in our, is in our colon, our large intestine. So when bacteria starts infiltrating the small intestine, so the root cause of slower motility, the migrating motor complex, this is going to get a little technical here, but it could be food, regular food poisoning, um, antibiotic use, uh, stress plays a big role. Um, anything anatomical surgeries can actually, I think that's what triggered mine to be horrible was a, a surgery, um, oh. on my wrist actually. Um, so those are like in a nutshell, um, but sometimes we see like, okay, is it just modern life? Is it mm -hmm. processed foods, stress, antibiotics, food poisoning, um, things like that. And so some of the symptoms are like bloating, diarrhea, um, constipation, just constipation, just, yep. okay. But they can go, you know, the gut is the foundation of health. So it could be brain fog, um, bloating, constipation, inflammation, like feeling of fullness, um, lack of ability to digest, sometimes even heartburn. Um, it can kind of mimic a lot of the signs of leaky gut, usually SIBO or EMO and leaky gut go together. So, okay. um, and then leaky gut can be a precursor or an antagonist for food sensitivities, autoimmune um, diseases, things like that. I mean, we can go huge on and on. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you were able to, um, kind of heal from that through changing your diet a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, were there any other lifestyle things that you did to heal from that? Yeah. Yes. I mean, a lot of them, I think once, in fact, this is one of my main things that I work with people on is that once once we have the things that are going on in the gut, it's more than just one thing. You know, a lot of ways it's like a lifestyle change or a, even a, a mindset change. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I did all the things. I did changes in my diet. I did support for the thyroid and support for digestion. And then um, I did various courses of antimicrobial herbs or anti um, antibiotic herbs. Um, Biotics specifically for SIBO. I did elemental diets, multiple. I did four of them, wow. um, which someone knowing about SIBO, they'll be like, that's a lot. I mean, that's eight weeks of drinking your nutrition and not eating, not wow. concurrently, but like two weeks and two weeks and two weeks. Um, but honestly, like the biggest shift, I mean, I always was incrementally improving, incrementally improving. And um, for the last five months, I've been worried, working with neural um brain repatterning in myself and mm -hmm. limbic repatterning. And that has, and I, I feel like I'm almost hundred percent healed from SIBO in the last five months. I haven't retested, but I can feel it. My symptoms have decreased by like 95%. Wow. So, you know, there's such a brain connection to the gut and to health and to how we feel in our bodies. Right. It is all very connected. Well, and I know you practice meditation as well. Yes. Yes. I've been studying Vipassana insight meditation for, well, I was trying to think, I think it's been eight years now. Wow. Um, wow. so yeah, I've, I've, I've learned a lot. <laughs> yes. Have you done any of those like 10 day silent retreats? Yeah. Well, I studied with a teacher for almost four years. And so in there I did four or five, but they were all seven day retreats. 10 days is like a the, the regular time for a Vipassana insight meditation retreat. But with my teacher, we did seven because most of us were working. So we took one week off, but yes, talk about, um, opening and yeah. I haven't done one for a couple of years now and I feel like I'm ready to do another one. Yeah. Um, and so the Vipassana, tell me a little bit more about that. That's the silent where you're, you're not speaking for seven days. You're not writing for, or, or are you journaling still, or is it it depends. So the Vipassana piece is actually different than the retreat piece. So the Vipassana piece just means that it's called insight meditation. And it's the way that we look at the thoughts as they come across our, our mind and how we um, choose to detach or how to look at attachment. So it's a, that's in a total nutshell. 
But in the retreat, ideally in a silent retreat, at least the ones that I did was no journaling, no reading, no eye contact. Okay. Because we speak um, so much in our body language and our eye contact, right? So it's averting eyes, um, you know, when passing someone and then a lot of sitting and a lot of walking, a lot of sitting in meditation, a lot of just sitting or laying down. It's a fascinating experience. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I've heard a lot about it and it sounds very fascinating. I have yet to try one, but I'd like to someday for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel that practicing meditation has really helped you on your healing journey? Yeah. I mean, I think as a whole practicing meditation has, uh, opened my awareness to self and to how I relate with the world around me and how I relate with the world inside of me. Yes. Um, you know, and, and just like, you know, it's a practice, right? So I may like fly off the handle one minute, but then Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, okay, what was the trigger there? And how can I, what's in it for me? Um, And I think it helps me tremendously in the work that I do because, you know, I do grounding exercises to be Mm -hmm. present. Um, You know, and when I work with people, you know, it's, I try to remove any of my ego or any of my Mm -hmm. preconceived notions um, or any of my agenda so that I'm fully engaged with my client in their needs and wishes and their path. And I try to make sure that I'm disconnected from mine so that I can give them my 150% attention for their own needs. That's super cool. I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing some of your background with me. I really appreciate it. It's really neat to hear. So well, thanks for asking. I love talking about it. And I, well, I don't talk very much about myself, so it's kind of fun to have that opportunity to like share that with you. (laughs) Right. No, it's great. Well, um, let's talk about plants and, um, I guess, tell me, you know, this plant-based diet, like I said, kind of in the beginning here, we're hearing this more and more Mm plant-based diet, plant-based diet. Can you tell me what the difference is between a plant-based diet and veganism? Sure. You know, and it's so interesting because I actually had to look up the definition to be sure that I was like mm-hmm. in the know um, <laughs> because everybody uses a plant-based diet term differently. So right. plant-based diet is basically meaning plant forward. It's, it's connecting to un or un or minimally processed whole foods that come out of the ground. Now, Vegan would be someone who is doing all of those things, but then is abstaining from any kind of animal product. I would say for a plant-based person, they don't necessarily have to abstain from all animal products, but maybe someone would choose like, I'm going to have an egg once a week. Right. Um, Right. But they're mostly getting the majority of their caloric intake and body's needs from plants that are grown in the ground as close to the earth as they can be. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, so why do you think it is, or would be a good idea to integrate more plants into meals? Yeah. You know, I was so excited that you're going to ask that question, but that's (laughs) a huge answer, right? For me anyway, it's comes from so many different directions. So, right. So if I would go back to the idea of modern life, um, that I mentioned of like, how do we what's the root cause of SIBO or other things or mm-hmm. gut, gut issues, right? I would say that one of the reasons to go for a plant-based diet is because in modern life, our foods are made conveniently from processed sources, from conventional farming, um, where soils are depleted, where minerals are depleted. And then we're eating foods that are kind of very far removed from the original plant. Right. And so that can wreak havoc on our intestinal system and on our immune system and our whole entire body. And so that's one big benefit of going plant-based is, or eating more plants is because we're getting nutrition from the source. Right. No, that totally makes sense. And, you know, I guess I hear a lot of people say, you know, I can't just eat plants because I'm not getting enough protein. Um, can you describe how that 
is kind of, I believe is kind of a myth in so many ways. I mean, depending on what types of plants maybe we're eating or what we're doing, but a lot of people don't go in that direction. I feel because they're worried about not getting the protein they need. Not getting enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to just preface this with, I want to just give a disclaimer. So the first thing is that I'm an integrative nutrition coach, so I'm not a clinical nutritionist, nor am I a dietitian. Mm -hmm. So I base most of my work from a functional nutrition understanding. And with functional, I look at the entire body, but I would be completely remiss to look at the body and not look at the community or the area around our bodies, right? Where it's all connected. And the second disclaimer would be that in the practice that I have, I really see a lot of people with chronic ill health. Mm -hmm. So I am colored a little bit by by seeing how they eat and the foods that they choose and what are healing foods. My third disclaimer is that every body BODY is different. And I think the hardest thing with any kind of nutrition advice or diet advice, and I'm using my little quotes over here in this life that we're in is that sometimes these things create a one size fits all um, mirage or they uh, are a falsity because the thing mm-hmm. is, is that because we're all different, our body needs are much different. Yes. So I'm just going to say that. Yeah. And then I'll go into the protein part. Okay. No, that sounds good. Totally. Good. Okay? Yeah, totally. Perfect. Thank you for explaining that. That's great. No problem. So yeah, protein is a vital part of our needs, right? And everybody's need for protein is different based on the things that we do. Like an athlete, mm-hmm who's constantly building muscle is going to need more protein than someone who is maybe more sedentary, or Mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with um, maybe blood types or where our heritage and lineage comes from, like what, how we do with different foods and, and diets that work best for our bodies. The one thing about protein sources is when we go to a plant-based or a vegan diet or a full vegetarian diet, we often have to spend a lot more time really being mindful and aware of the sources of the foods and that we're getting the protein and other options. Right. We can get a fair amount of proteins if we're really paying attention to the differences between complete and incomplete proteins, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, like a plant-based source for protein that's complete is quinoa. Mm-hmm. You know, it has, um, I think it's eight grams of protein. Don't count me on that per cup, but it's a complete, it has mm-hmm. all 20 amino acids in it. And our body can use that. Whereas I'm sure you've heard before that like beans are an incomplete protein. So let's pair them with a whole grain to then get a complete protein. Mm-hmm. So right. someone who's on a plant-based diet, you know, their needs are going to change based on their activity level, where they are in their stage of life, their different body makeup. But I do believe it's possible. And I do believe that you can get a lot of great protein sources from, you know, spirulina, blue, green algae is a great protein source, quinoa, seeds, nuts, um, things like that. Um, I do, however, do not love soy products for most people. And, you know, when you look at a lot of um, plant-based, like get your, you know, stuff from soy, soy milk tempeh, tofu, those things. That's where I actually pull aside. And I say, well, we don't really want to get most of our protein uptake from soy products, especially women. Mm -hmm. Because of hormonal levels and, and okay. Yeah. Yeah. How it affects the endocrine system. Right. Well, and there's, you know, I feel like when, um, there were dairy alternatives, um, you know, years ago, soy was kind of one of the first things that came out soy milk. So everybody drank soy milk, silk, soy milk. And now you can get plant-based milk from oats, from hemp seeds, from pumpkin seeds, from almonds, you know, you can do, there's so many different types of even the plant-based milks now, um, for that alternative to cow's milk or dairy. Um, so yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I guess, you know, I, I feel like breakfast is a, tends to be a really challenging one for a lot of people. You know, it seems like, you know, they want something that's going to energize them. They don't want to crash at 10 AM after they've, you know, been up for a few hours. What would you recommend as a great, 
like plant-based or, you know, vegan meal to kind of start your day for breakfast? What would be a good option? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I get this question all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, well, can I give a little disclaimer about plant-based milks? Yes. Or an yes, information, sure. yes, an information sure. piece. So if we have to be really aware because plant-based milks would go in the modern life category in terms of modern foods right. and in almost all commercially made plant-based milks include gums and emulsifiers that yeah. can be antagonist to gut health. Mm-hmm. Well, so, if you look at the ingredients on the back of almond milk from the store, you can't yeah. even pronounce half of the stuff that's in there. Exactly. But plant-based milks are so easy to make. Yes. Yes. So that's what I always recommend. Seeds, mm-hmm. seed milks, nut milks. And you know, it's so easy. You just take one cup of the nuts or the seeds and you soak it overnight in water. You dump mm-hmm. the water, put four cups of water in, mm-hmm. blend it up, strain it through a nut milk bag. So I do that like once or twice a week. And I usually do things like pumpkin milk, sesame milk, um, sunflower mm-hmm. seed milk, hemp seed milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the other nuts, you know, I do walnut milk, um, uh, almond milk, cashew milk, all those things. So That's any great. of those milks for a vegan part, oh, sorry, part of a plant-based breakfast would be a wonderful thing. So you could yes. take any of those milks and do, um, you know, oats, gluten-free oats, or with chia seeds, you can do chia seeds, hemp seeds, and make like little chia porridges. A lot of people do that nowadays. Mm. So the important thing would be to try to, you know, mix a complex carbohydrate with some fiber. So you can add fruits to it. Or if you're a savory person, you could add um, savory bits like chopped up vegetables or sauteed vegetables with oats as a savory piece. Yummy. Um, A lot of people go to smoothies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm okay with smoothies. I I think that's great. And you, there are a lot of plant-based options for protein powder. So like pea based or hemp based or things like that. And you could do a smoothie with that as long as it's lower on the sugar side, you know, so being aware of the sugar content and number of vegetables. I always throw green vegetables in there, cucumbers, things like that. Right. Yum. And that will kind of, you feel like that those types of protein, will definitely sustain you for longer than obviously than a sugary muffin and a sugary latte. Yes. (laughs) We all know that sometimes sounds really good, but that's going to make you crash like two hours after eating it. Yes. So right. The number one pillar of health is blood sugar balance. Mm -hmm. And the way to balance blood sugar is to have um, fiber, protein, and fat. So Mm -hmm. a muffin is mostly going to be mostly sugar and a Mm -hmm. tiny bit of fat. And if it's fiber, it's very poor quality fiber. So like in a chia bowl with, um, some fruits and, Mm -hmm. um, some nut milk or seed milk, that's going to have all those three ingredients in there to help sustain that blood sugar. Cause that's the one thing is we don't want that blood sugar crash. Mm -hmm. And then you reach for your second muffin of the day and then you're back Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. And then you fall down and then you're like, oh, I think I have some chocolate for lunch. And then. Right. Or, or an espresso. Or an espresso. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go. I'm not sleeping tonight. <laughs> right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about fat. What are some good fats? You know, there was a while there, I feel like in the eighties where we were marketed to everything's fat free and it was just oh. horrible, right? Because they took out the fat and they put sugar in it. Oh, that was the worst thing. Worst ever. Right. Um, you know, a lot of this is really being marketed to, you know, we are constantly being marketed to. And I think a lot of people don't know what to believe. And a lot of it does take, you have to do a lot of your own research to find these things out, but the, you know, there's so many resources for us. You know, we have recipes online that are super nutritious, or, you know, I know you have recipes on your website. We have recipes on our website. They're great resources to get kind of what you need, but you know, fat there, there, we do need fat. So what, what is some, some good healthy fats that, you know, we should be intaking? Yeah. Such a great question. You know, so the first rule of thumb would be as close to the plant as possible right? And, and, and from an actual plant that is grown well. So um, avocado oil and avocados is a great source. 
coconut oil, um, especially for high heat cooking, both avocado oil and coconut oil are Mm -hmm. way stay more in integrity. Um, Olive oil is a wonderful oil, especially if it's, um, you know, from a good source and that is not, does not stand up as well to high heat. But then also, um, so those are the, my three, um, mm-hmm. then sesame oil, walnut oil are great choices. That, that sounds great. So, um, can we talk a little bit about carbs and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the, you know, you is, warned me, uh, I, know. <laughs> I just, I'm just really, you know, they are part of the diet, right? I mean, we need mm-hmm. carbs, right? Yeah. But I guess what type of plant-based carbs could we eat that are going to help with energy that aren't going to a loaf of bread? Yeah. So that fill us, but don't give us any energy, right? Totally. How can we feel fulfilled without going into that route? Totally. So same idea of coming back to the origin as close as we can to the ground. So Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many grains out there with gluten or without gluten. So the less processed those grains are, the the better that we will do with carrying those carbohydrates used and getting them used through our body without hitting that glycemic spike. With a caveat that people have gut issues, sometimes the super unprocessed grains can wreak havoc on the digestive system. So I'm just putting that disclaimer out there. So if someone's like, oh my God, if I eat brown rice, I bloat up, then, mm-hmm. then we have some other things going on. But so typically rather than going to a plant-based bread, like there's some really great breads out there, like Ezekiel bread or mm-hmm. sprouted grain breads and things like that. But we all do need carbohydrates. And in this like low carbohydrate or keto craze or paleo mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? the bottom line with all of that is we all just like protein, we have different carbohydrate needs. Mm-hmm. So, and again, it fluctuates with what we do in our life and how mm-hmm. our digestion is functioning and, and our metabolism. I mean, there's just so many things. So, you know, my choice on carbohydrates for most people would be as unprocessed as possible. Like millet is a wonderful thing. It's actually a grass um, quinoa. I love quinoa for both Mm -hmm. protein and carbohydrate source. Um, rices are really great. I stay away from corn, especially Mm -hmm. if it's a GMO. That's one of the Mm -hmm. corn is kind of one of those tough foods. Um, you know, legumes are really great for carbohydrates because they like, even the lentil has both carbohydrates and proteins. Um, those can easily be paired with some good, um, fiber like over some vegetables and Mm. maybe some whole grain rice so that has some really good carbohydrate um so i think that's it so i mean there's a rule of thumb like if you're gonna we have there in every body not everybody but every body we're all gonna have a different balance of carbs to fats to proteins that's gonna feel right for us right so i always recommend if people are making a dietary change that they are tracking how they feel, um, and Mm -hmm. what they're eating and then correlating that to like how their energy is and how their mood is, um, you know, even how their skin is all those kinds of things Mm -hmm. so that they can start to correlate. Like, you know, I, I I ate this and I went out for a run and I bonked two miles out Mm -hmm. versus I ate all this. I got a great night's sleep and I rode my bike 50 miles and I never bonked once. So I think that's an important piece of always checking in on ourselves and we're just one big experiment really. Yeah. I like, I like how you really, you know, customize to each person, you know, and what they, what, what type of activity they're doing. It makes sense to hear that. Like not, it doesn't work for everyone. You know, we all are different. We all do different things. The activity level is different amongst all of us. So that it it makes sense, you know, hearing it for sure. So thank you for, you know, mentioning that. Cause I I do think that's really, really important. Totally. Would it be okay for me to say that I'm a carnivore plant eater? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I have figured out in my life that I am a carnivorous plant eater. So I eat a lot of meat and Mm -hmm. I eat a lot of plants and I don't eat a ton of carbohydrates. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I probably am around a hundred grams or less a day. 
And that's mostly for healing the gut, but it's also because that's how I thrive. Yeah. And not everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very active. I'm very, but that's, that's how I thrive. But Mm -hmm. I have other clients that they can't even eat meat that it just doesn't feel right to them. And they do the plant-based diet. So that's why it's always bio-individual is what the word would be. It's like, we're all individual creatures. Right. No, for sure. Um, Are you, are you seeing like a trend happening? You know, we're all going through this COVID life together. Are you noticing like with your clients you've seen, has, have there been any trends with, with people like everybody's kind of coming to you with similar things or have you noticed anything different, I guess, since, since, since COVID has been amongst us all? Um, let me see if I can relate them to COVID. I think when COVID first started, the people that came to me were just like, look, you know, I'm going to use this time to make some changes for my health. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were very interested in looking at like the mind body connection, mm-hmm. just like one of my favorite avenues. So it, that has been really fulfilling. And I think now that we're kind of like a year into COVID and we're starting to kind of maybe see a light that's different at the tunnel, I'm getting a lot of people that seem to have settled for poor health that they're like, no, I really, I'm ready to make a change. Yeah. So I'm seeing that more. Great. Um, You know, and I would say that's basically like, yeah, I would say that. That people are ready. Yeah. And in terms of trends, I see a lot of young women going to plant-based vegan diets. Mm -hmm. That's also what I see. And why do you think that is? Oh, I love this question. Uh, Well, I think it's because um, they are seeing their footprint on the planet Mm -hmm. and wanting to do their part into creating a way to heal our planet. Right. Um, you know, and I think they're experimenting with what their bodies can do or what they want to be able to do in this world. So I think that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that for sure. And there just is more, like I talked earlier about, we're just being marketed to more and with, with this lifestyle, with veganism and with plant-based and, you know, I'm seeing it on cereal boxes, vegan. I'm like, well, Well, yeah, Yeah. I'm like, obviously it's like (laughs) frosted flakes, you know, but it's like, they're, they're promoting it on, you know, I'm just recently seeing this on packaging and I just laugh every time I see it. I'm like, obviously these, these tortilla chips are vegan. You know, it's just, it makes me laugh, but, um, but also, and this is probably a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm seeing is that, you know, with, with people that are choosing like, okay, I'm, I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian, or they're choosing these lifestyles. It also has a lot to do with what they are intaking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're vegan. They're not consuming any animal products, but they're eating pasta all day. Oh my, I love you. Thank you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. Okay. Well that I, I get it. You're there's no harm to animals here in what you're intaking, but you're not fueling your body correctly um, with intaking pasta. Right. I mean, well, yeah. And, and then this is where I actually take it a step further is you're right. Like they're not fueling their body with pasta and a lot of young people can get away with that for a while. Right. Yeah. Right. They still have vigor and metabolism and youth. Right. (laughs) If I did that, I would turn into a puddle on the ground and I would not be able to get out of my bed, but I'm 45. So, but here's the thing. And I said it before, you know, with, with a functional approach, right. It's, it's our bodies, but it's also the community around us. And I would Mm -hmm. be remiss to say that like, we, we, when we consider a plant-based diet, we have to consider our local ecology and our local community, because we live in Bozeman, Montana, and, you know, we have a short growing season for a lot of things. And We have a rich abundance of local foods here, but for me, in order to eat like ecologically connected to my earth around me, that means I'm eating plants that are grown in my area or at least in my region. Um, And I think especially like reaching out to local producers who create 
um, healthy living soil beneath the plants that they grow or the animals that they grow is such a huge building block that's missed in conventional foods. So if someone's like, I'm going to go plant-based and they're eating pasta that was from Durham wheat grown in Mexico and then shipped across the border and extruded somewhere in Florida and then thrown on a train and got to Bozeman, Montana and I'm eating with the red sauce that was made in Cal. You see what I'm saying? It's like, there's a a footprint there. There's a footprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is um, that I just don't think we think about. And I also think, you know, it takes energy on our part to make these changes. And it does take energy to plan our meals. And if we really want to be healthy and eat more plants, we we need to have a plan in place. And I think that's where you can really help a lot of people with what are their needs? What are their goals? putting them in the driver's seat, getting them to, you know, make some changes that they want to make in their life and helping them. Cause I think a lot of people just don't know where to start. Like, how do I start doing this? I don't know. Like I, I, I don't want to, you know, eat animal products, but you know, this pot eating pasta every, for every meal is obviously not working for me. So I think it's great that you kind of offer this whole body connection and talk a lot with your clients. I mean, can you talk me, talk to me just a little bit about what a session with you kind of would be like? Yeah. So if I, okay, let's do it around plant-based foods. Yeah. So if someone came to me and they're like, you know, Karen, I'm having a really hard time. I eat donuts for breakfast and then for lunch, I eat whatever's in the cafeteria at work or school. And then mm-hmm. by the time I like get home from work and I've picked up the kids and there's homework to do, it's like the only thing I can do is boil a pot of water and, and throw some tomato sauce on. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's look at like, what is it that you want to do? Like, what, what do you, what do you want to change? What, what's your motivation? And they may say, well, you know, I've gained 30 pounds and I see my kids are starting to gain weight and I, I want to provide a healthy nutritional environment for them, but I can't quit my job and do all that. So, and I, and then I would probably, you know, coach them around like, well, what, what feels doable for you? What are your interests? Like if there was one thing that you can change in your week to service that goal, what would that be? And they might say, well, I think on Sundays I could spend a few hours and I could go to the grocery store and then I could come home and I could buy a new knife and I could chop up a bunch of vegetables and I could roast them, mm-hmm. cook a pot of quinoa. Mm-hmm. And, right. and then I can have that with my family and my kids tonight for dinner. And it might take them a while to get used to quinoa, my, you know, but I can do that. And then I can have it for leftovers the next day for lunch. Mm-hmm. So then I would say, well, great, let's just start. Why don't, you know, start with that and let's, mm-hmm. let's make a shopping list and talk about the vegetables that you might roast so that you have the whole list. And then, well, do you know how to do that? And they'd be like, yep. And we talk it through and then mm-hmm. I'd send them away to go work right. on that. Well, and I love it because you really guided them in the driver's seat. They kind of, you know, yeah. with that example, they kind of solve their own they just kind of needed your little push to kind of solve their own, I guess, issue that they have or how they can get to that point. A lot of us know it's just sometimes having somebody ask us that question. Totally. We are then, you know, we're the captain of our own ship really in that, in that case. Um, Oh my gosh. Can I hire you to do my PR? Because that is exactly (laughs) what I do. (laughs) So funny. Oh, so funny. Um, I, I love talking about food and I, and nutrition and, um, it's just a huge part of my life. And I, I, I just, I love talking about it with, and especially with you, it's been, it's been really fun. Um, so fun. Is there, is there anything else you can tell me about plants? <laughs> well, so I, um, I grow a lot of our own plants here at my house. Mm. I have a huge garden and then a greenhouse. I actually just yesterday started my seedlings and I got oh, awesome. a bunch of amendments into the greenhouse soil so that I can get that started. But I think the biggest thing about plants is the soil that they're grown in is so important. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, a conventionally grown broccoli that's 
traveling, you know, 2000 miles from a big commercial farm is going to have a very different soil profile and nutrient profile than a broccoli that is grown um, in soil that's been cared for and tended and to um, well, biodiversity within the soil is so important. I actually have a range management degree. So a lot yeah. in soils and grasses and like out on the range originally. And, you know, like in my own garden, you know, I'm constantly putting in like kelp and seaweed and calcium and lots mm. of compost. And I'm yeah. using, you know, all natural, like chop up, you know, eggs and I do uh, eggshells and all these things so that I can make the plant as healthy because the healthier the plant, the healthier mm. the nutrients are going to come into my body. I love that. So not only is obviously organic, very important, but also the soil. So For even sure. if it's organic broccoli, it still could be on crappy soil. Well, so here's, grown? or is there, do those go together? I guess I just don't know. Kind of. I actually do. I, I kind of have a little hierarchy in how I make decisions for my own self is I do um, natural and local first. Yep. And then second choice would be organic, natural and local. And the reason why I put it that way is because a farmer may be using all organic, but maybe hasn't gone to the process of getting certified organic because right. it's very expensive to get certified organic. Yes, so some farms, a, a local farm may not be wanting to put the extra money in to get certified, but they're using all the same practices. So I spent a lot of time like meeting the farmer, um, you know, going to farmer's markets, going to their farm, like understanding their way of growing. That's me. Cause that's what I, I'm passionate about that. Yeah. So that's why I say natural, local first, organic, local, you know, in that piece. And then next would be from afar organic, right? Right. right. And the smaller, the closer in my region, the better. Um, it's really hard to say, like, if an organic broccoli from 2,000 miles away is grown on the same soil, like if it's monocrop farming, right? So if they're, if they have five acres of broccoli, then you betcha we're probably going to have less nutrient profile there than if we're going like you know, one acre or even a quarter of an acre broccoli and they're moving crop through the system. And so it, that gets complicated. I think, I think the best thing we can do is buy vibrant, colorful, fresh as possible or frozen natural and organic local Mm -hmm. is best. That's my kind of like hierarchy. So what do you grow in your garden? Oh, that's so funny. I was just trying to think about that. I try to grow things that everybody in my family will eat. Okay. Um, so usually I do tons of leafy greens, right? So that's important. Leafy greens have iron and calcium and even protein. So I'll do chard. I like spinach is an early season crop. Um, kales, collard greens. Mm-hmm. I've last year I grew them as tall as the roof in the greenhouse. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. I don't so much like them when they get that big, they get a little hard, Yeah. Um, but let's see what else. So then I always grow tomatoes and I realize it's not really because I love to eat tomatoes. I just feel like as a gardener, I must grow tomatoes. Yeah. Um, so I grow that a lot of hilarious. sauce tomatoes. Yeah, it is yeah. totally hilarious. I was in Italy a couple summers ago and I bought a bunch of Italian seeds. So I, oh, I bought awesome. a bunch of like carrot and beet and tomato marzanos. So I mm. start all that. Um, well, I start the tomatoes inside. What else do I grow? I grow, um, tons of zinnias. I love this plant mm-hmm. zinnia. Like it reminds me of my childhood back in New York. Um, I grow lots of carrots, beets, sometimes peas, um, lots of eggplants, peppers, tomatillos. I don't grow potatoes mostly because my soil's buggy. I'm still working on its health. Um, yeah, lots wow. of stuff. Wow, that's really cool. That's inspiring. Yeah. It's I, fun. I think growing your own food, I mean, there's so many options. I've seen so many different things where people have, you know, built these small little greenhouses in their apartment in New York where they're growing yeah. along a, you know, windowsill of sprouts or, you know, whatever it is, just so you can really, you know, grow your own food, which I think is amazing. 
Totally. Doesn't get well, any more I, local than that. Totally. <laughs> I, you can't. And I think with my own, like, I love to make things that I, I mean, I'm a lifelong learner and I love to like puzzle myself. So if I come home from work or something and I go walk out and I pick a bunch of zucchini and a bunch of sage and and then I pick a bunch of like cucumber and tomatoes with some basil and I'll just mm. come in and I'll like whip it all up. And then, um, I don't know, that just makes me so happy. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's like, I you grew know? this and now I'm eating it and I know the soil is great. And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the soil um, piece. Cause I think that's a really important part that a lot of people don't know about. So thank you for that um, education on that. Cause that's, I think really something we don't think that much about. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you can, even, I mean, you probably do, but like, well, yeah, but I think it's a metaphor too, because you know, the gut and the intestinal system is our soil of our body, mm-hmm. right? So the health yes. of the soil that grows the food we eat is just as important as the health of the soil in our actual body that grows mm-hmm. all these processes that help us to be thriving human beings. Right. I love it. Oh man, Karen, I think we could probably come up with another 10 episodes just from. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's so fun talking to you and you ask such questions and it's fun. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I hope that you come back and we could do another one together. Sure. I'm game. Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Karen. I really appreciate it. It was fun to get to know you and, and learn more about what you do and talk more about plants. Oh, thanks so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate it um, talking to you today. And um, yeah, I can't wait to hear this go live. Yay. Thank (laughs) you, Karen. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Ritual by Sageborn. For daily inspiration, check out our Ritual Dice at sageborn.com and follow us at Sageborn Skincare. Thanks again. Until next time.